Today on Truths That Transform. If I were to ask you what are the two most important things that have happened to mankind since the creation, I wonder what you might say. When evolution came along and, and Darwin uh, proposed the theory, it was, it was pounced upon with alacrity, not by the scientists, but by the, the, the social sciences. Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza, my mentor and predecessor here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, Dr. D. James Kennedy, often called Darwin's theory of evolution the root of the problem. The Bible says that you and I are specifically created by God in His image, but the evolutionary story says we are the accidental products of time, chance, and matter. When that story took hold, it changed our culture in profound ways and not for the better. We have produced a brand new documentary film examining the profoundly harmful effects of evolutionary theory when it comes to genocide, racism, violence, and more. It's called Chaos, Darwin's Assault on the Image of God. And in this preview, we examine how evolution's mechanism of advancement, the survival of the fittest, has led to catastrophe. The social acceptance of the theory of evolution ushered in a totally new way of looking at life on Earth and especially humankind's place in the cosmos. It took the uh, theory of natural selection, the survival of the fittest, and it applied it to human beings. Now, when evolution came along and, and Darwin uh, proposed the theory, it was, it was pounced upon with alacrity not by the scientists, but by the, the, the social sciences and by the liberal arts. But there were also many critics of Darwin's theory. Among the most forceful critics was his Cambridge professor who warned that there would be a great cost to humanity for not acknowledging the Genesis account of creation. Humanity in my mind would suffer a damage that might brutalize it and sink the human race into a lower grade of degradation than any into which it has fallen. Adam Sedgwick. History has borne out Sedgwick's skepticism as devastating consequences have come to pass when the theory of evolution is applied to society, economics, and government. This is known as social Darwinism and has been used as a justification for imperialism, labor abuses, racism, eugenics, and social inequality. Darwinism really had three big impacts on our society and culture. First of all, uh, Darwin and his theory proposes that we're the product of this unguided blind process, and that undercut the idea that God exists. When Darwin came out, then atheism went through the roof. I mean, it was, it was trending high. And it's been trending high ever since because Darwin made the proclamation, look, there is no God. Evolution, this is how we got here. Well, there are many uh, atheists themselves who admit that uh, Darwinism had a key role in their conversion to atheism. When Darwin first published his theory, in fact, there were people who had already 
embraced an atheistic position, but they were just delighted when they read Darwin because they said it reinforced their ideas and it showed that you know, their ideas made sense. In fact, he also at one point even tried to provide an explanation for the origin of religion. He claims that uh, religion is based on fear of unknown processes like thunder and lightning and volcanoes and things like that. The second impact was an impact on morality because Darwin thought that morality was just the product of this survival of the fittest process. Darwin in his Descent of Man spends a lot of time talking about the evolution of morality. He thinks it came from social instincts and that it evolved because those that had those social instincts would be uh, have more solidarity so that they could win battles against their fellow tribes and races. The irony here is that he thinks that morality increases as people uh, supplant or actually exterminate other people who have lower levels of morality. Darwin thought that different races were different moral levels. So what this means is that there's no fixed moral code, there's no objective morality out there. So in that sense, it does breed chaos because it's whatever your instinct tells you, you know, go for it. There is such a thing as right and wrong. Now animals don't necessarily know that there's a difference between right and wrong. But you can go to the deepest, darkest jungle of Borneo where no one has ever seen a missionary or knows anything about the Ten Commandments. And the thief will wait until dark when nobody can see him to go still. Why did he do that? Because he knows it's wrong. He knows that in his heart. If you believe in evolution, there is uh, no reason not to do whatever feels good. There's no reason to think of other people. If they want to hurt one another, abuse one another, uh, enslave one another, uh, they can do that. Uh, and there no, there's no philosophical reason for not doing it. Hitler's instincts have just as much validity as the instincts of someone who says, no, we should love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, there's no way to judge between those two uh, moral views in the Darwinian uh, vision of things. Even non-believers realize there ought to be justice and fairness, but you don't get that from Darwinian theory. The worldview, that's, the evolutionary worldview, is morally, spiritually, bankrupt. Darwin is one of the pillars of the modern idea of relativism. And then the third big uh, impact that Darwinism has had on our society and culture is undercutting the value of human beings. And so that really has played into, over the past century, the denial of human dignity and the undercutting of the uniqueness and specialness and worth of human beings. Human beings, uh, on a materialistic worldview, are not uh, made in the image of God, we don't have intrinsic dignity, we are simply a, an accidental byproduct of an undirected process. In Darwin's mind, uh, you know, there were some that were born that were not quite evolved. Darwin considered races to be variations of human evolution, thereby establishing a racial hierarchy. And some of the groups that he considered inferior would be anyone that was non-white, and that would include Australians, Mongolians, um, Polynesians, Eskimos, Africans, uh, just go down the list of everyone who was not white. I've read a lot of Darwin. We've read him 
Simon Schoolweaver, but we never heard about the subtitle that says, you know, this is for the preservation of most favorite races. And you realize that Darwin is the taproot, literally, of white supremacy and racism in our modern context. Uh, started with Darwin. Darwin wasn't the first racist, but Darwin provided what seemed to be a credible scientific basis for racism, that natural selection makes us expect that races should be radically different and unequal. That had huge repercussions. One of the worst repercussions was the justification of slavery. Slavery was economic opportunism. In the mindset of a plantation owner, it was free labor. It, it wasn't like these people are subhuman until Darwin later in his writings declared it so. Darwin castigated blacks slightly above the parasite level. So, so in the mind of a slave owner who, who really doesn't make the connection, but he hears Darwin say, don't worry, these people are subhuman. And so that's how you were able to have a lot of these slave owners preach on Sunday and beat and do all kinds of horrible, heinous things to their slaves. Certainly God's not going to hold me responsible for somebody that's not even involved yet, not even human. Darwin claimed that within the human species there has to be competition in the struggle for existence. And so that competition can be done in a various variety of ways, it can be economic competition. For instance, the emergence of the so-called robber barons in America during the late 1800s and early 1900s. These enormously wealthy industrialists were said to have crushed competition, suppressed worker wages, and exploited labor, among other unethical practices. They were enthusiastic Darwinists and believed that it was all justified, simply Darwinian philosophy and practice. But the most profound implementation of Darwinian economics is Marxism. Now you gotta remember, Marx and Engels were Protestant, good Protestant boys, you know, and, and believed in God. And then when they read Darwin, completely, completely changed their life. Um, and so they gave credence to Darwin for just changing their perspective completely, changed it upside down, and then they fully, you know, embraced and made sure that they, you know, basically inculcated all of Darwin's philosophies inside their own as they started to write and do and send out their social philosophies. And horrible things have been done in the name of communism. It's because the policies are absolutely informed by a materialistic worldview that sees people as machines and merely material entities that don't have a soul that needs to be treated carefully as a human being created in the image of God. We have seen over the last 150 years how Darwinian beliefs have justified violently overtaking and devaluing other races and cultures. One of the most potent impacts of Darwin today is in this anti-human movement of what I would say the sort of extreme environmentalists. They don't view human beings as just another animal in the forest. They view us as the aggressor and as the really bad guy. You have people like Sir David Attenborough who are similarly arguing that humans are a plague on the earth. We are outstripping the earth where it used to be that under survival of the fittest, uh, you know, Darwin's survival of the fittest would keep us in check. But now because we're kindly and loving and feeding people that we're overrunning things. Darwin's separation of human biology from the creation in the image of God has even affected such unforeseen areas as gender and sexuality. If everything is merely a cosmic accident and there's no design, then even the most basic things are up for grabs. Can uh, a 12-year-old 
know that they want to be the other sex. No, of course they can't. But if they're being confused about it, they might believe something that's completely irrational. They maybe never even heard that there's a wonderful creator whose image and likeness can be reflected in them and that there's a purpose for their lives. What transgender activists say explicitly is that your body has nothing to do with your gender identity. It's essentially a way of saying your body is not part of your authentic self. Parents need to be on guard and recognizing God knows what he's doing. If he made you a girl, he made you a girl. And if he made you a boy, he made you a boy. And, uh, you know, when you really stop and think about it, if there weren't girls and boys, there wouldn't be a human race for very long, would there? Social Darwinism, the application of Darwinian principles outside of biology, has given rise to theories and policies that have devalued humans and wreaked havoc on society. This is the long-term fruit of Darwinian thought. This is the long-term fruit of cultural Marxism. This is the long-term fruit of denying the, the uh, image of God in man. Uh, and it has created a world of utter and complete chaos. The application of Darwinian theory to all sorts of aspects of life outside of biology became a craze in the late 1800s, and the results of that are still plaguing us today. But if Darwinian evolution is true, then none of that matters. We're stuck with it. So, is it true? When we look at the facts in front of us, they tell us something different. Here's Dr. D. James Kennedy to explain from his message the creation and fall of man. If I were to ask you what are the two most important things that have happened to mankind since the creation, I wonder what you might say. All kinds of things may leap to mind, but I would like to suggest that I believe the two most important things that have ever happened to us since our creation were these. They are described several times in the fifth chapter of Romans, and they are the fall of man and the redemption of man through Christ. By one man's disobedient, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And it was by one man's sin that death entered into the world. And surely, Nothing is more important in our experience as a human race than those two events. I would like to focus on the first of those. Many people don't give much thought to what Adam and Eve and the reality of them and what they did really is. And there are those who would say, well, I am a Christian, but I don't really believe in Adam and Eve. I think we just all evolved. Well, listen to one well-known evolutionist and atheist, Richard Bozarth, an atheist evolutionist writing in the magazine The American Atheist, said this, Christianity has fought, still fights, and will fight science. No, sir. 
In spite of the fact you hear that repeated over and over again, that's the opinion of atheists. Christians don't fight science. We do fight pseudoscience, which evolution is. But I am a great advocate of science. In fact, I started out to be a scientist. I've studied it most all of my life. I'm enamored with it. No, we don't fight it, but we do fight distortions of it. Why do we fight it, said Bozarth? Because of the fact that evolution destroys utterly and finally the very reason for Jesus' earthly life and supposedly necessary atonement. Destroy Adam and Eve. Does it make any difference? And in the rubble, you will find the sorry remains of the Son of God. That's the real understanding of evolution as stated by one of its great advocates. If Jesus was not the Redeemer who died for our sins, and this, he says, is what evolution means, I hope you caught that. What does evolution mean? It means that Jesus did not die for our sins because he was not God. He was not the Son of God. He was merely a highly developed and evolved ape who could not certainly die for the sins of the world. And if Jesus did not die for our sins, as evolution teaches, then, does it have any effect on Christianity? Then, he said, Christianity is nothing. Now, that's what evolution really means to evolutionists. I have studied evolution for almost 50 years on both sides. And I tell you, there is no scientific evidence that supports it at all. This is now admitted by many as evolution is just getting ready to go over the precipice. But some will say, well, it's just a myth. You see, it's a legend. It's a fable. Well, listen to probably the 20th century's leading philosophical and scientific writer in England, C.E.M. Joad, J-O-A-D. Now, he was a liberal, socialist, atheist. But finally, he saw the folly of all of that and embraced Christ. And he says, quote, It is because we, the left-wing liberal socialist group, we rejected the doctrine of original sin, it's because of that that we on the left were always being disappointed. Disappointed by the refusal of people to be reasonable. Disappointed by the subservience of intellect to emotion. Disappointed by the failure of true socialism to arrive. You ever notice years ago that every time another country embraced socialism, people were saying, well, now Yes, we know that socialism has failed everywhere else, but while we've got the true socialism. And wait a few years, and that went right down the tubes with the rest of it. 
So they were disappointed by the failure of true socialism to arrive. They were disappointed by the behavior of nations and politicians. They were disappointed by the masses' preference for Hollywood to Shakespeare, by their preference for Sinatra to Beethoven, and above all, disappointed by the recurrent fact of war. Someone said that the fall of man is the only Christian doctrine that is proved empirically. Not only proved empirically, it's proved every day empirically. How is that? I just suggest you read the front page of the paper. Pick any paper you want in any city, in any country of the world, and you will find constant reiteration of the effects of the fall and the sinfulness of man. Yes, the fall of man and the sinfulness of mankind is very clear to anybody who has eyes to see. But it's very interesting. If you look at the history of the various cults and religions that have arisen in the last two centuries, you discover something. Not only are they saying that man is good, now the cults are saying that man either is or may become God. This is what all the cults are teaching. But dear friends, Adam and Eve found out what a lie that was. Instead of becoming divine, they became dead and brought death upon all their children and all of their other descendants. Hi, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. My father often referred to Darwinian evolution as the root of the problem because he saw that it represented a fundamental shift in worldviews. Either we were designed by a creator God or we arrived on earth through a lucky combination of time, chance, and matter. And if we're here accidentally, then there's no true basis for law, morality, or the sanctity of human life. That's exactly where we find ourselves today, now that Darwin's story of origins has been taught to generations of schoolchildren. Did you know that there's a direct connection between Darwin's theory and the horrors of Nazi Germany? Or that the American government forced thousands of people to undergo sterilization because of Darwinism? It's true, and you need to know the facts. Discover this and much more in the book, Evolution's Fatal Fruit, How Darwin's Tree of Life Brought Death to Millions by Tom DeRosa, as our thanks for your generous donation to the work of this ministry. Tom DeRosa himself was a former atheist and evolutionist who came to Christ under my dad's ministry and then saw the biological evidence in its true light. When you give, you're helping us broaden and extend that gospel ministry of truth to millions of other people around the world. Who knows what future books will be written, nations reached, and strongholds torn down because your gift enabled someone to be transformed by the truth. If you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we'll send you the book, Evolution's Fatal Fruit, plus our brand new documentary program, Chaos, Darwin's Assault on the Image of God. You saw a preview of this new DVD earlier in this program. This is truth that many don't want you to see, but the history is undeniable. 
Darwin's theory dismissed God and opened the door to a series of plagues like eugenics, abortion, which is often driven by racism, and the Nazi atrocities of the Holocaust. You'll see it all documented in this powerful new program. The theory of godless evolution is essential to political progressives today, and we'll face attacks for bringing this to light. But the truth is so important that we're willing to withstand it. Please help us to do that by giving a generous donation today and receive the provocative book, Evolution's Fatal Fruit, How Darwin's Tree of Life Brought Death to Millions by Tom DeRosa. And if you can give a generous gift of $50 or more, we'll thank you by sending you the book plus our brand new DVD program, Chaos, Darwin's Assault on the Image of God, which you'll want to make sure your children and grandchildren see. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. The utopias of communism and socialism have always believed in the basic, inherent goodness of humanity. That seems like an optimistic, sunny view that should lead to happiness for everyone, right? But this view comes from rejecting the biblical account of creation and instead adopting materialistic evolution. In such a system, human nature is seen as endlessly moldable and even perfectible, which means a strong and visionary leader can create whatever sort of society he wishes merely by the force of his will. What has resulted is tyrants like Hitler, like Mao, like Stalin, like Castro. Well more than 100 million people were murdered by their own governments in the name of progress in the 20th century alone under these dictators who believe that man is basically good. By contrast, America's founders believed in the biblical picture of a fallen humanity. Adam and Eve plunged the world into sin by defying God and eating the fruit in the Garden of Eden. The founders believed that because human nature is now sinful, it's dangerous to concentrate too much power in just one individual or a small handful of people. So they created a government that divided and diluted power with extensive checks and balances built in. The result has been the freest, most prosperous nation in human history. How is that possible? Because the founder's view, drawn from the Bible, matches reality. It accords with the way things really are. But the communistic fantasy that we're ever-evolving and growing towards perfection has been proved disastrously false time after time after time. What's most ironic is that the communist view claims to be scientific. A basic principle of science is that your theory should match reality and that your experiments should bear that out. But the communists' actual experiments with their theory of human nature have produced more carnage than any other belief system in history. The Bible's view of human nature works because it's true. God designed the world and he's told us how it works. When we listen to him, things go well for us. And when we turn our backs to him, the results are disastrous. Thanks for being with us today. I invite you to check out our new podcast, The City of God. You can find it at cityofgodpodcast.com as well as on Spotify, Apple, 
and wherever you get your podcast. Also remember that you're always welcome to join us here for worship at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. You can also join us live stream every Sunday morning at crpc.tv. And now here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. We are much more than just material, flesh, bone, blood, what have you. There is a component to man that is different. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.